Hey, this is John, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Galatians 4, 8 through 11. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. This is the word of the Lord. So uh, Rachel often likes music uh, playing in the background. I like, there doesn't have to be a special reason for it. Um, if you know Rachel, she's my wife. Um, and uh, she, just, she just likes playing music at all times, whenever she can. And I don't. I like the house quiet. Um, you know, I generally don't listen to music in the house. I like to listen to it on a car ride, you know, drowns out the silence. And, you know, I was thinking about, like, why don't I like it? And I think it's because I'm Latino. And so he, let me just explain for a second. Um, uh, the best way to put it is if, if you have a, a brown parent... Uh, uh, you'll know what Saturdays were like. Um, for some of y'all, Saturdays meant that you got to sleep in. Um, mine meant that if my mom did not come into my room at 8 a.m. to tell me I'm going to help her clean that day, uh, she was going to make sure the whole house knew she was cleaning. So pots and pans and vacuums. It's like, man, the one day that you want to sleep She's not about it. She's like, I'm not. And so if, if she's, she's, she's play, you know, playing music at ungodly hours, you know, like I, when you're in middle school, like anything before 11 a.m. and you're like, this is too much, mom. But that's my mom. She would do that. And, and I would want to sleep in, but she would play uh, music by people like um, Marco Switt and Jesus Adrian Romero. I know only you would know this. I appreciate that which are Christian singers, by the way. They're, they're Christian singers, and, and some of y'all may not know about that, but it's like the Stephen Curtis Chapman for some of y'all, or Fred Hammond. And anyway, I don't like music in the house, but Rachel does. And so the other night, uh, this song came on um, by a, an artist that I know. Her name is Nina Simone. Um, you might know her by the, by the song, uh, Feeling Good. It starts with, you know, birds flying high, you know how I feel. So it's that, it's that song. And, um, but this, this song in particular is the first time I ever heard it. And, and here's the title. The title is, um, I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. What a title, right? And, and I like us tonight before, as we, go into tonight's message. I just want us to read some of these lyrics together. It'll be behind me. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. I wish I could break all the chains holding me. I wish I could say all the things that I should say, say them loud, say them clear for the whole round world to hear. I wish I could share all the love that's in my heart, remove all the bars that kept us apart. I wish you could know what it means to be me. Then you'd see and agree that every man should be free. I wish I could give all I'm longing to give. I wish I could live like I'm longing to live. I wish I could do all the things that I can do. I wish I knew how it would be to be free. 
Does that resonate with you tonight? This longing for freedom. Like, like, do you even know what that would look like? The things that you long for freedom from. And I think this song so painfully yet accurately captures our deep human desire that cries out to be set free from the bondage of this world. And I want you to know something tonight. That God has set his heart on providing you that freedom today. And he wants you to hear about it. This, this biblical word that is used to describe the act of being set free is this word called redemption. And now redemption is a major biblical theme and you see it, it traces all the way back to the book of Genesis when sin and death and brokenness are introduced into the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience. God promises in Genesis 3.15 that he would send a son who would strike down the serpent and the serpent represents all of the world's destructive nature. And so God promised in that one single verse that he would set his people free from sin and from death. But as you continue to read through the Bible, you see that, that to be set free for God is both a spiritual reality and a physical reality. Like when Israel was enslaved to Egypt, he sent and empowered Moses, his prophet, with a message saying, Pharaoh, you will let my people go. See, God would only be satisfied if his people had freedom, both of spirit and body. And as you continue through the Old Testament, God continually sets his people free from different slave owners, even when God's people are the ones who place themselves in those situations of slavery. But the tone of God's message begins to change a little bit because the Old Testament could only provide a temporary fix for humanity's slavery problem. Because being set free would only be temporary because people often go back to the thing that they were once enslaved to. There would need to be a permanent freedom provided to God's people because God's heart is set on freeing his people. And as you enter into the New Testament, we see God provides this permanent path of freedom. It was through Jesus Christ. And as you read through the Gospels, you witness Jesus' earthly ministry. And when you see what he does, it's his goal, is the, the, the miracles that Jesus does while on earth reveal what God intends to undo. Jesus heals the blind. He causes the deaf to hear. He gives sight to the blind. He, 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 he raises people from the, dead, from the dead. He cares for the physical brokenness of people. But then Jesus also tends to their hearts. Think how crazy it is for Jesus, the savior of the world, the most one high and holy, goes to the poor and broken and says, you will be the first in my kingdom. He tells the lowly prostitute that despite their past, they are invited to be loved in a way that sex and money could never love them. And as Jesus hung from the cross and spoke the, his last words, it is finished, Contained in those words is God's message saying, I have set my people free. And that's why Paul says in Galatians chapter one that Jesus gave himself for our sin to deliver us, that is to set us free from the present evil age. If you haven't gotten this thus far, God's heart is for you and for me to be free. And he's done it through Jesus. 
It is finished, complete. And if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are declared free. But here's my question for you. Do you feel as free as Jesus tells you that you are? Where you sit tonight, do you sit and think, man, I am, nothing can hold me down. Because if, if you're not as free as you think you should feel, that means either Jesus is a liar, which then y'all should leave now, and I should, I should just quit, we should all go, or we've missed something. Because if you're not feeling free, if you're not experiencing freedom, you know, the freedom from human opinions, sin, death, fear, worry, shame, guilt, obligation, the love of money, the need to be recognized. If any of those things are dictating your life as you sit here tonight, you're not as free as you think you are. And there are many of us that hear that we're free, but, we're, but our lives continue to show markers of slavery and enslavement. Now, some of us feel enslaved, but I know that there are some of us tonight here who are enslaved, and to both of us, Jesus has come to set us free. This has been the whole message of the Bible, that God has come to set you free, but some of us are left saying, no matter how much I try, I feel like my sin and my broken patterns dominate my life. Why don't I feel free? And so in tonight's passage, the Apostle Paul would say and begin, it's because you're going to the wrong places to find freedom. See, the Galatians, we're doing the exact same thing many of us do. Throughout, throughout the letter of Galatians, Paul teases out this image of, uh, of freedom and slavery. And, and Paul reminds the Galatians that humanity, all of us outside of Christ, is enslaved to the law, to sin, and to this world. But by the gospel of grace, if not for the very grace of God, we have been set free to be children of God. That's where we left off last week. But let me ask you this. If you were set a life sentence to prison, and through a crazy set of circumstances, right, you've been released, where is the last place you would go? probably to the prison, right? Because that prison once was your death sentence. You would have passed each day knowing that there was more to life, but you'd never access it. You'd be confined to the small little room for most of your day, just hoping that you don't get beat down in the prison yard. And at best, you'd spend your days just surviving and getting through. But if someone were to get you out of that prison, it would be absolutely mind-blowing and dumbfounding that after being set free, you would go and lock yourself up again, right? And this is how, how confused Paul is. He looks at the Galatians, he goes, man, Christ has set you free. Why, why are you going back? Why would you go back to the very things that Christ has set you free from? Don't you remember what it is that Christ set you free from? And he goes, let me, let me remind you. Let's go back to the text for tonight. Galatians chapter four. I want us to read verse eight together. Formally, he says, and by that he means when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not 
God. So, so Paul looks to the Galatians and says, listen, before God intervened in your life, you were a slave and you were a slave to these things called not gods. Now, what, what, what does Paul mean by that? You see, for the New Testament writers and really for any author of the Holy Scriptures, there is only one true God. And when Paul says that these things that they subject themselves to are by nature not gods, he's telling them that they are false gods, little gods, puny gods. And so false gods are talked about frequently throughout the Old Testament because humans, if you don't know this, are prone and made to worship to give their devotion and affection to something greater than they are. If you don't believe me, uh, how many of you spent hundreds of dollars to go see Taylor Swift? No guilt. If I was a Swifty, I probably would have too. I'm not. Uh, but if I looked at Taylor Swift and thought, my gosh, you are the most amazing thing, I probably would go spend tons of money. Like, I was hearing like people behind the screen were paying like 500 bucks. I'm like, listen, 500 bucks a lot, Chick-fil-A, I'm okay. Like, I am okay. <laughs> and we do that today too, though. It's not just the Galatians. We, the only difference between the Galatians and us is that for them, the greatest structure and power was the Roman Empire. But for us, the greatest power and structure is ourselves. So we, def we direct and devote all of our attention and affection towards ourselves. Self-care, me, me, me. But if you remember the commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai, the very first commandment that God's people had was that you would have no other God than Yahweh, which is the personal name of God. And then in the New Testament, Jesus reminds God's people of the same commandment. The Pharisees come to Jesus and say, it's a testament, says, well, do you know what the, what the greatest commandment is? And Jesus says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And Jesus says this because not only is it true, but he knows that people are prone to worshiping false gods. And so now he here in Galatians, Jesus, through the Apostle Paul, is telling the Galatians that these false gods are not worthy of their time, affection, or devotion because they're not the ones who set them free. They were the ones who enslaved them. That's what he says. Before you knew God, you were enslaved by those by nature who are not God. You see, to be set free, you got to go to a place or person that has the power to set you free, right? It seems like a pretty simple idea. Like, like if you owe rent or you have student loans or you got a mortgage payment and you don't have the money for it, guess what you don't get to do? You don't get to be like, mm, double it and pass it on to the next person. You don't get to do that. You have to pay what's owed. But if you don't have the money, who are you gonna go to? Hopefully your parents got some extra money, you know, even if they're a little disappointed in you or maybe your partner or you do go to somebody who has the ability to pay your debt. But the churches in Galatia were turning to these false gods in the hopes that they would be set free from the brokenness of this world. And for the Galatians, uh, for the Jews in the, in the church, they were turning to the law, but there were also Gentiles in the church in Galatia who would have been tempted to go back to worshiping the gods that were common in Rome. And so what Paul is saying to the Jews and to the Gentiles is like, listen, y'all, the law and the world cannot free you. And he gives them the reason in verse nine. Let's look, let's look, let's look together. But now that you have come to know God or rather to be known by God, 
How can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? So now these elementary principles that he says here is another way of him saying the false gods. So you say you're trying to go back to these false gods, but here's why you shouldn't. Have you noticed how he describes them? Two words, weak and worthless, right? Am I getting this right? Yes, yes, weak and worthless. And so weak is meant to describe someone who is powerless, but it's also meant to describe somebody or something that is sickly and deathly. Now think of your life for a moment. There are a lot of heavy things you gotta carry in this life, would you say? Or at least that come to try to be on your shoulders. And because they're heavy, you get tired and you can't always carry it. So, so if you're looking for someone to help you, do you go to the hospital and go to the cancer ward or to somebody who's broken their leg and be like, you can help me out? No. You don't go to the person who got a broken leg and be like, you got a bum leg, you can help carry this. You don't go to the weak and the powerless to help share the burden that is on your shoulders. No, you would need something or someone strong and capable to help unburden you. But Paul says, these are not it. These false gods are weak, sickly, and death. And then he says, then not only are they weak, but they're worthless. And at first I simply, you know, I know what worthless means in the English dictionary. I thought it just meant like it had no value. Like it was just some scrubs but that's not what he's saying. The word that Paul uses when he says worthless is not so much that they lack value, but they lack resources. And so what Paul says, so when Paul says that the false gods, these false idols are worthless, he's saying that they are poor and cowardly beggars. They are needy. And if they are need, if they are in need, and you and I are in need, how can we possibly think that these false gods could free us? The 16th century theologian John Calvin said in describing this verse, he said, it's like two beggars trying to make one another rich. You can't if both are poor. But it is to these weak and worthless idols that the Galatians are turning to. But they're looking for freedom in the wrong place. They're false gods, the law and the world could only enslave because they're needy and weak. And we're prone to do the same things as the Galatians. We ask, we wonder, why can't I feel free? Could it be because we're turning to false gods? Could it be because as you sit here, you are turning to weak and worthless gods. And by virtue, we're resisting the God of the universe and looking for freedom elsewhere. And so we turn to our American gods of wealth and power and status and sexuality that prevail in our culture. And, and then we fall victim to giving ourselves over to them because we think that they can give us a greater sense of freedom than God can. If money isn't an issue, then maybe I can have comfort, we say. If I have power and status, people will value me, respect me, we say. If I can sexually express my gender based on how I feel on the inside, then maybe I'll finally be complete, they say. If, if I could be married, then someone will finally love me, they say. And there's so many little gods that we give pieces of our hearts and affections over to, but it goes beyond just money and power. What I've, been, what I've noticed more true of this generation than any before is that this is a generation that 
blood is obsessed and interested, but obsessedly so in all things spirituality, which is why there are so many of us messing with crystals and manifestation and burning sages and, and astrology. But what many of us don't know is that all of those little gods are weak and worthless. And they are forged and influenced by demonic forces that only have one desire, and it is to see you enslaved, not to see you free. And because they are sickly and needy, they will feed on your very life. But this is what we do. We try to bring pieces of our old life and bring it into our new life with Jesus. But let me ask, if you take bondage and slavery mentality and try to force it into a world of freedom, why would you ever think you'd experience freedom? It doesn't make sense. It is not until we give up these weakened little gods that we will experience the freedom we're longing for. And then you might be thinking, okay, fine, I, I wanna give it up. But like Caesar, I don't know how to. I mean, Caesar, I know you're saying that they're, they're weak and worthless, but it doesn't feel like that. Why does it seem like they have control over me? Why is it that I give in so easily to my sin and to my past? Here's what we need to remember. Just as sin, the world, the system, structures, whatever that was once part of the world that we lived is powerless to help us, they are also powerless to hold you in captivity. It's not, that just, it's, just, it's not just that they're unable to help you. They're unable to hold you. And, and sometimes we, we, don't, we forget that we can feel like, like we can't help but give in to sin. It's, it's like trying to shake a bad ex. Like you don't really want them around, but for whatever reason, when they show up, you think, hmm, maybe this time it will be different. But as Dwight from the office would say, false not true. What the Galatians were forgetting was that they were already free. Like I know this sounds dumb, but this is what Paul was, well, this is why Paul was so confused. He told them, listen, you're free. Why do you want to give that up? Y'all don't need to go find freedom somewhere else or beg someone or something to make you free. You're already free because you're free in Christ. But the reason they didn't believe that to be true was because they thought Jesus was as weak and worthless as these little gods. And so they thought they'd have to go find it somewhere else. So what Paul does here in verses eight and nine is that he forces the Galatians to have to stack up God against the false gods. He wants them to do a comparison between God and the little gods that they're turning back to. And what we see throughout the biblical narrative is that God is the complete opposite of these false gods that we see in Galatians. You see, where the false gods are powerless and deathly, we find that Jesus is powerful, Philippians 3.10 says, and that he is the giver of life, John 14.6. That where the false gods are cowardly, we see that Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, John 10.11. 
Where the false gods are needy, Jesus can supply for all of our needs according to the riches of his glory. Philippians 4, 19. Jesus is greater than these puny little gods that we give ourselves over to. And this is why the scriptures testify and proclaim that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus is the one that we can entrust ourselves to and say to him and look to him and say, will you free me? And he says, yes, I can and I have. But then Jesus even goes farther than that. Not only does he declare us free, that's one thing to say you are free. And that he makes sure though, that these false gods that once enslaved us could never ever enslave us again. In Paul's letter to the Colossians, he writes, why we never have to give into our sin again. He, he reveals why our freedom cannot be meddled with by any outside forces. He says this to the Colossians chapter two, verse 15. He says, Jesus disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ Jesus. And now when Paul says rulers and authorities, he's referencing the same false gods that he writes about in Galatians 4. And it is these same forces that God puts to open shame. And to say that is when, when, when Paul writes that, that, that Jesus triumphed over them, it's this Greek word that describes a king who was in battle, won the battle, takes the losers, brings them into the city, strips them of everything, and makes them walk essentially in their boxers through the cities, embarrassing them, making sure that everybody in the town could see that the thing that once plagued them would never ever plague them again because he took all of their power and authority. It is an so, yeah. God has done that to the forces that once enslaved you and me so that it would never have control over you ever again. The power of sin, the power of death, the power of brokenness, the power of anything that you sit here and want freedom from in Christ no longer can ha will have power over you. I have zero idea, zero clue what you have walked in here tonight with. And as I scan the room, I see already many of you trying to avert your eyes from me because you don't want me to make eye contact with you. And to you people, I say, Christ wants to set you free tonight. You don't have to sit in bondage anymore. That shame and that guilt that you carry does not have to be yours anymore. Your sexuality, your preferences, your past mistakes, your mental health, I, I don't know. But Christ said that for freedom, he has set you free. And so why do we give in so easily to our former ways? It's because we forget how free we really are. 
Jesus says that in John 8, 36, that if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. So I ask you tonight, like, would you believe that? Then. Would you believe that tonight? I'm talking about more than these self-help things. I'm talking about more than cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm talking about more than self-talk. I don't need you to keep telling yourself, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. I'm asking you, will you believe in faith that Christ has set you free? Because he has. If you would, if that is you tonight, you're willing to believe that he can set you free. I'm gonna ask you to take a second to think of the thing or the things that you believe most chain you down tonight. It might be an addiction, a mental health diagnosis, a relationship. It might be a job, an emotion. It might be shame. It might be overwhelming sadness. Just take a second. Think about that thing. And I'd ask that you hear these words of Jesus in faith. My child, I've set you free. You are free indeed. Because Jesus is that strong and sacrificial person that has given you the freedom you long for. And if you don't know that Christ tonight, I invite you because he is the one who can set you free. But before we fall into the trap of thinking that we just need to believe harder or resist our sin more, Paul gives us another idea. He gives us the key to experiencing the freedom we long for. Remember, the heart of God has always been for you and I to experience freedom. And that has been the disposition of, the, of God's heart towards us from the beginning. But that freedom has always come as a result of his desire for intimacy. When God set Israel free from Egypt, it was so that he could say, you're my people and I am your God. He would, he would say in the Old Testament that Israel to him was like a firstborn child. And every time the people of God resisted him and, and turned to false gods, he would send messengers to tell them, would you turn back to me? Would you turn back to me? I am yours and you are mine. But do you hear the kind of language there? It is the language of intimacy. And Paul taps into that in verse nine. What does it say? But now that you have come to know God or rather to be known by God, Paul echoes the Old Testament and says that our freedom came as a result of knowing God and being known by God. The freedom that you long for comes only from intimacy with the one who set you free. If you want to be free, you gotta go to the person who has set you free. And humanity has been longing for freedom throughout all human history. And throughout all human history, God has been inching closer and closer to tell us how we can be free. Through the prophet Isaiah, God says that he would send someone who will bring good news to the poor to bind the hearts of the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom over slaves and empty the prisons that once held them captive. And then in the fullness of time, get this, Jesus said in Luke 4, 18, I am that one. I am the one that God promised and I've come to set humanity free. And now that I'm here, you can be free. So here's what we do. Jesus is the one we go to for freedom. 
And it is through continued intimacy with him that we experience deeper and deeper degrees of freedom. Relationship with Jesus is not about trying harder and performing more. No, he's calling us to intimacy and closeness with him so that we could see upfront and personal what it actually means to be free. John Wimber, pastor and author, once said this, it seems the more I think about not sinning, the more sin, the more I sin. But the more I think about just loving Jesus, the less I seem to sin. Falling in love seems to be the key. Have you ever tried to ride a bike? When you finally learned how to ride a bike, was it that you learned how to ride a bike or was it you kept saying, I'm not gonna fall, 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 fall, boom. Right? The more you thought about falling, the more likely you were to fall. Anytime we, we, we focus on the thing that we do not want to do is more likely that you will do it. But then Jesus says, you want freedom? It's not about thinking about freedom more. It's about looking upon the one who can set you free. And Jesus is offering you this freedom today. I just wanna read this last few verses for us before we finish tonight. It's from the book of Joel in the Old Testament, small minor prophet, but this passage is powerful. He says this to the people of God. Yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Yet, even now, he wants you to come and be free and then he wants to show you what a life of freedom will always look like. Jesus says, come to me, those who are heavy laden and weary, and I will give them rest. This is Jesus' promises to you and to me. And as we step away from this space, I'll just leave you with two encouragements. If you are here and you want to experience freedom for the first time, turn to Jesus tonight, yet even now, he wants you to come. It doesn't matter how many times you've said no. He's saying, yet even now, come to me. Lay your burdens at my feet and I will give you rest. And if you are here and you are a child of God, but struggle to experience freedom, I want you to write these two words down, whether it's in your heart or on a piece of paper or in your Bible. The key to freedom is to remember and to surrender. Remember that God is gracious, powerful, and good. And because of that, you can surrender to him in all things. I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes right now. And before we pray, God is not satisfied until his people are free. And so after the gathering, just keep your eyes closed. After the gathering, we'll have prayer as always, but I don't want you to have to wait until then. God can set you free exactly where you are. He's not holding back. He's not withholding. 
He just wants you to ask him. If you are here tonight and feel you are under the weight of whatever, of your sadness, of your anger, of your fear and your worry, that was never meant for you to carry. If you are shame-filled, worry-filled, that was not meant for you to carry. Whatever it is that you came in here tonight, Jesus has, the Spirit of God has already begun to speak to you and he's asking you to give it on to Jesus. So wherever you sit right now and you want to experience freedom, I'd ask, keep your eyes closed. I'd ask that you raise your hand, that I would pray over you, but that you would not just raise your hand, but that you would ask the Father right now. Father, would you set me free? Set me free, Father. Set me free from my addictions. Set me free from my fears. Set me free from anything, any poor relationships, past relationships. Would you set me free from my desire for marriage if that's not what you want for me, like for seeking validation through the words of others, through finding completion through my job. Would you free me, free me, even from the things that I don't know I need to be set free from. I'll pray for us in a moment, but just ask the Father. Father, I pray these words over us this evening. It is for freedom, Christ, you have set us free. So may you allow us, allow us to stand firm and not to submit again to the yoke of slavery. May we not give ourselves over to the thing that you freed us from. We, we don't need worthless and puny and little and effortless gods. We need the true God of the universe, the one that's called us to be his children and has allowed us to call him Abba, Father, the one who desires deep and loving intimacy with wells of joy and everlasting peace to be filled in our hearts. This is the God that we need, the one that would free us, that would run after us, that even when we resist, he chases, that even when we try to enslave ourselves again and again, he sends his son through the spirit and says, you are not a slave. You are my child and you are meant to be free and forever free. And so God, we just ask that this is the life that we chase after, the life of freedom that only you can accomplish. And God, I pray in faith that your spirit right now would begin to, as even that song says, even though it wasn't a Christian song, but the sentiment is true, I want to know what it would feel like for the chains to fall off. Spirit of God, would you begin to do that in your people tonight? Unlock the chains that submerge people into slavery. But would you also then, there are some of us who have put the chain back on us, but there's no lock on it, but we think that we're enslaved and would you just come over kindly 
remove the chains and say, you, you're, not, you're not a slave. You're not that anymore. You're my child. Would this community grow to know that they are free? And would they testify to this world that through Christ, anyone who calls upon his name will be set free? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.